Before we begin th- this week's episode of the Klaus of the Heart podcast, I wanted to take a minute here and to let you know about a service that is available here in mid-Michigan. Do you have old appliances or scrap metal in your basement? Are you tired of seeing your yard filled with junk metal? No worries, because A&B Metal Recycling will come and pick up all of your scrap metal. You don't even need to drag it out to the road. They will remove it from wherever it is. If you have any questions, you can contact them through their Facebook page. You just look for A&B Scrap Recycling, or you can call or text them at 810-219-8985. A&B's Metal Recycling to remove all the junk metal around your home. This episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast has been rated M for mature audiences only. Some material and dialogue may not be suitable for members of the family under 18 years of age. You want to get raw? Let's get raw. This is the Klaus to the Heart, Klaus to the Heart, Klaus to the Heart podcast. We are going to talk about things that affect everyday life. Some of it you're going to agree with, some of it you're not. You're damn right I'm fired up because this is a topic worth being fired up about. There is silver lining in just about anything. You just have to look for it because it's not always going to be at the forefront. This is the Klaus to the Heart Podcast. Podcast. This is the Klaus to the Heart Podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Hey everybody, I'm Jason Klaus and you are listening to the Klaus to the Heart Podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out of your day to give the show a listen and we are way off the rails this week full disclosure um we are th- this is dropping way later than the uh the usual time slot that I had s- selected for the show because I had you know I had a plan A plan A did not work and I uh you know, anybody who knows anything about me knows that not all the time do technology and myself see eye to eye. And I wasn't able to get uh, my two guests r- recorded through the podcast here. So instead, in programming note, they will be joining me on next week's episode of the Klaus of the Heart show on YouTube. And uh, just just stay tuned to our social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter for the information is that... Uh, as we prepare to drop that episode. Um, so always looking at the silver lining and things, this is actually in, in some ways a blessing in disguise because this gives me an opportunity to address another topic here, something that is quite personal for me and I think it's going to resonate with some of you who are listening. Because, um, and I'm trying to think of a, of a funny way, of a clever way, um, entertaining way to kind of set the backstory here. And I just don't have one this week, to be quite honest with you. Um, because 
most of us, most of you who have listened to the show, most of you who have who who have supported my endeavors under the Klaus to the Heart umbrella, you all have experienced at one time or another a significant loss of a loved one, a friend, a family member, a mentor, somebody who meant something to you. And we can all agree, I, I mean, especially in this time that we are in right now, uh, we, we really take for granted time. We take for granted a lot of things. We take the people in our lives for granted. And we don't realize the magnitude of that until it's gone, until that person has passed away, until you encounter some sort of significant loss. And it doesn't necessarily have to be death. It, it could be, you know, a long time friendship has dissolved, you know, at really no fault of anyone's of of any circumstance. It's just that's just the way life goes. Life will take us into different down different roads, down different paths, and we don't always necessarily see each other, talk to each other, communicate with one another as often as we may have, you know, previously. Um, but those of us who have who have gone through um, a loved one passing away, I mean, there really is no more definitive ending to a physical in-person relationship than, than death. We all deal with that in certain, you know, in different ways. We have certain things in our, in our makeup, in the way we handle things that life is not going to be the same. And when we encounter that kind of situation, we oftentimes refer to this as the new normal. And in some cases, you know, there are people who deal with it better than others. There are people who um, are able to to dissect and they are able to move on from that point in time to where they have lost a significant person in their lives. And it makes us readjust how we look at life. It makes us readjust how we communicate with the people in our lives. Now, no one ever said that change is easy. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be on this far end of the spectrum. I mean, changing a job causes anxiety. Changing locations on where you live causes anxiety because there is that element of the unknown. There is that element of, you know, you if you are very much a structured person, if you have a schedule, if you if you maintain your life through, you know, hour by hour, any kind of change can be scary, can be unwelcomed. But at the same time, there are situations in our lives that it, it just does not, there is no other way to go about it. This is a new normal. My family is dealing with this. My friends are dealing with this in terms of losing my brother. 
Last Saturday, we had this celebration of life for Jeff, and during the course of that day, I really made a conscious effort on, number one, who was there, number two, how I was going to present the material that I had written out, number three, it was going to be how was I going to move forward once the the memorial was over because that becomes our new normal that becomes our new normal because that's the final stage of the formalities of saying goodbye to somebody there is no more planning a memorial service there is no more being on the phone and talking to venue you know venues and ta- you know trying to get all of our ducks in a row who's going to set up audio who's there none all of that is done there is no more formalities in terms of saying goodbye this is our new normal because now we are expected to resume our lives pick up our lives and continue to find a way to move forward without that that's that significant someone in your everyday life. It's not easy. And anybody that tells you that it is has is either one full of shit or two they have not experienced anything like this. To that I would say um they're pretty fortunate that they don't have to um, they don't have to to deal with these kind of emotions because these are emotions that we all have deep down inside of us. So, some of us just wear it better on our sleeves than others. A lot of us will 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 put every emotion that we have and bring it out to the forefront. Other ones are not so obvious. But regardless of what way you deal with certain uh, situations like this, you know that you have to pick yourself up and continue down your journey. And it's not going to be the same. It's just not. Because there's a huge void in your life now. That's the unfortunate part of our lives. There's going to be loss. There's going to be heartbreak, there's going to be anger, there's going to, I mean, there's significant loss. But I think that there are ways that we can readjust certain aspects of our lives, at least those things that we do have control over, that will help us as we pick up the pieces of our broken hearts and continue to trudge forward even though there are going to be days that all we want to do is crawl up in bed, throw the covers over our head, and forget that the world exists. I understand that wholeheartedly. I've had my days like that. But I also know that in in the grieving process, and more importantly in the healing process, that is not going to become a thing if you don't make steps forward. Now, that's not to say that there's not going to be days that you encounter that it's going to do everything it can to knock your ass back a couple of steps, and it will. If you are expecting to just put on a brave face and go into defense mode and just bulldoze your way through this, it's not going to be smooth sailing. 
Because at some point, you're going to have to come to grips with all of this. Otherwise, it's going to be the like the proverbial anchor that is, you know, it's trailing behind you. It's out of sight, but it's also hampering your ability and it's slowing down your, your process of healing. There are aspects that we can control. There are aspects that we can say what is right, what is wrong, based on our lives, based on what we want. The problem is, is that a lot of times when we make, when we sit down and we figure out how are we going to move forward in this new normal, we have to make some tough decisions. We have to make decisions that are not popular. We have to make decisions that are going to probably piss a lot of people off. We have to make these decisions on what is in our best interest and in the best interest of those who mean the most to us. Now, if you are a parent, obviously the well-being of your child or children has to be taken into consideration. If that is not being brought into the conversation and how what you do affects your children in, in the way that they are coping with the same set of circumstances that you are, if that is not at the forefront and that is not part of the conversation, that tells me right out of the bat what kind of person you are as a whole, fundamentally, that, and, and I'll be straight up with you, if, if you're not taking your kids into consideration as you go through these processes to grieve, to mourn the loss of a loved one, and how are you going to pick up the pieces and move on if your kids are not thought of in that aspect and how it's going to affect them, you are a complete asshole. And you have failed them as a parent. Period. End of story. Bottom line. Now when you're dealing with things like this, it can be a a splinter effect. Because there is no right way. There, there are all kinds of self-help books and all these manuals and websites. And this is what you need to do when you're mourning a loved one. This is what has to happen. This is what you should say. This is what you should do. That is one or a handful of people's opinions based on who wrote that. That may be how they deal with things. You can have all the plaques. You can have all the certificates. You can have all the diplomas in the world lining your office walls. But at the end of the day, that does not make them an expert on my life. Nor does it make them an expert on yours. Because they don't understand every every single variable that goes into who you are, what you are, and how you deal with things. They can provide a general idea of what you should probably do. And I think we can all agree that we don't want anybody physically hurting themselves just to try to mask the emotional pain that goes with it. 
Loss of a significant loved one is not just, it does not attack just one specific area of your life. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. Though that's the three headed that's the three headed monster that is in each and every single human being. It's just layered in different ways based on how you approach things. Because some Barney badass will tell you this does not bother me. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they're masking something. I guarantee you that they have this image that they think that they have to uphold and that's why they they are presenting themselves like like nothing bothers them. At 2:30 in the morning when there's nobody else around and there is not a, a sound to be heard, there is not a noise to be heard. It does bother them. It does, because it's a constant inner struggle. And a lot of times, we don't know how to deal with the the scariness, the fear of change, this new normal. Because it's, it's out of our control. This, something has happened that was out of our control. It's just part of life. But there is one aspect, ladies and gentlemen, that you have a control in. You have the final say in. Now, whether or not you you adopt that philosophy, that's up to you. But the one thing that you can control as you embark on this new journey, this new normal, is dictating the people who are around you. Your friends, your family. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, family does not have to be bound by blood. It doesn't. Because I am closer to several members of a professional wrestling locker room than I am with people who share the same blood or the same bloodline that I have. That's just a fact of life. And it's not because I harbor any kind of resentment. It's not because I don't necessarily like those people. It's because our lives have taken such drastic paths away from one another. We just don't know each other. I've got relatives in several states across America. And a lot of them I haven't seen in 30 years. I mean, I keep up with them on Facebook. And I, you know, I can kind of keep track of what's happening in their lives. And I can hit the like button. And I can send a, con- a, a congratulatory message if one of them had a birthday, milestone, new job, new baby, whatever the case may be. That keeps me somewhat engaged. But friendships are a funny thing. I've talked about this before on YouTube. It is the most fragile relationship you're going to have. Because one wrong word, one misspoken sentence can a lot of times 
signal the death toll for a friendship. Doesn't have to be that way. That's just the way it is. And especially when the when when the context of your conversations are coming through text messaging or the messenger app through Facebook. One missed comma can set off a firestorm like you ain't never seen. One misspoken word can seal the end of a meaningful relationship. That's just the way it is. You have control over who you have in your in your inner circle. Now, that's not to say that there aren't going to be people that are going to try to bulldoze their way into your 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 inner circle because for one reason or the other. Now, some of them are are straight up. They're they're legit. They have your best interest at their forefront. They do. I get that. But there are others who who do not. They are there because it, it, it could be a, so, a social standing type of gimmick or it could be that they're just trying to keep tabs on you and how you're in and how you're doing and what you're doing because at, because for some reason they think it's your business and everybody else's on what you're doing. I have learned through the course of the last s- several months what true friendship really means. I have learned in the course of, in in my darkest hours, I have learned who I can and who I cannot count on. And it's a very sobering thing because it takes catastrophic events like losing a loved one that will either bring out the best in people or it will bring out the absolute worst in them. I've said it before. But what comes out of that, the silver lining in that, is that when you are faced with such a, 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 a tremendous moment in your life, not necessarily a good one either, you find out real quick how and what people are. You find out real quick where your support system lies. And for a lot of us, we find out that the ones that we once held so near and dear to our hearts, the ones that we went to bat for, the ones that we looked after, the ones that really meant something to us, we didn't mean as much to them. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples here. Now, I'm not looking to publicly out anybody. I, I, I don't generally do that. But I know for a fact that s- several of you listening can relate to, to certain circumstances like this, like these. Imagine you've had a, a friend, a really good personal longtime friend. We're talking... Five, ten years plus. Okay, these are people that you've shared your your greatest moments and memories with. These milestones, the birthdays, holidays, um, summer vacations, 
things of this nature. The good side of life, right? Now imagine, if you will, you have just encountered the absolute worst moment of your life. The, 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 I mean, time seemed to stop. A lot of this is often attributed to the loss of a loved one. So that's what we're going to use as, as the catalyst here. And let's say, for example, that when it came time to have a public memorial for your loved one, somebody that just meant the absolute world to you, knowing what kind of impact that that was having on on your on your life your 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 just your fundamental existence it just rocked you to the core you realize you start realizing just based on the communication with your friends and your family who is truly there for you who is there for you to lean on who is there for you to confide in who is there to be your rock when we encounter these things, we tend to to go to those people that we've known the longest that 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 know you better than you know yourself in a lot of cases. Now, with the coronavirus and all the other bullshit that that's involved with it, there are restrictions, there are protocols in place that that are aimed to stop the spread of this goddamn virus. Public gatherings. I mean, you can't go into a store right now without wearing a mask on your face. It's become part of the restrictions. This is the way it is. If you need a gallon of milk from from the mire, you got to put a mask on. If you need to go get school supplies from the Walmart, you got to have a mask on. You need to go into the bank to to make a transaction as scary as that can be. You got to have a mask on. That's just the way it is. That's part of the new the new normal right now in dealing with this. So my point here is, if you need that gallon of milk, you need those school supplies, you need to make that transaction. You will suck it up for the 10, 15, 30 minutes, however long you're going to be in in that particular establishment, and you will put up with having to wear a mask because that's what has to happen right now because a lot of these places are not allowing entry if you don't have one. But can you imagine somebody that you have known for many, many years who have shared with you your your best of times. We're not with you. We're not there for you on your worst day because you had to wear a mask. This happened. This happened. We had my brother's memorial service and somebody that my sister-in-law who, bless her heart, is is dealing with this as best as she possibly can. One of the people that she thought the world of, one of those people who were there for every good moment, somebody that was 
I mean, man, the the, the more I think of it, the more f- fired up I get about it. They elected not to come to the celebration of life to support their friend, to be there for her, because they had to wear a damn mask. Are you shitting me? So you mean to tell me that you couldn't put your ego aside, you couldn't put your own personal discomfort aside for a couple of hours to be there for your friend? To me... In the way I see things, and I realize I see things a totally different way than a lot of other people, that tells me that that individual does not deserve to to be in my life. Now, those of you who have heard that just now, just automatically assume, well, geez, kind of thinking a little bit highly of yourselves, aren't you? You're goddamn right I am. Because at the end of the day, I'm freaking awesome. And my sister-in-law is freaking awesome. And she has done more good for people in her life than a lot of others that, that I know. And on her darkest hours, on her darkest day, somebody that she deemed important, somebody that she deemed a friend, couldn't put their ego aside for a couple of hours to put a mask on to be there for her to lean on. To me, in my opinion, that is the telltale indication of what my sister-in-law meant to that person fundamentally. And if I was if I was her, if that was the situation that was affecting me directly, that individual would become a distant memory in my life. That's just me, though. And I know that's kind of a personal, a very personal um, circumstance, an example. But I've heard other people go through the same thing. So as you embark on this new normal, as you're trying to pick up the pieces of your life and you're trying to trudge forward, you have the final say into who is in your inner circle, who you allow in your life. For me personally, it's not people like that. And that would that would suck really bad because that's a lot of time that you have spent with that that individual that you thought that you could rely on that on that individual that you thought was going to be with you through thick and thin and that's part of a friendship man things are not always going to be rainbows and roses it just isn't a true friendship is standing by that 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 individual through the best of times, through the worst of times. And you may not always agree with it. You may not always be happy with the way things are going because it might not be something that you would do, say, or otherwise on your own. It's not your life. 
But when it came time for that, for your friend, somebody who had been there for you, when they needed you, you weren't there, in my opinion, you can fuck right off. You don't deserve to be a part of this of this person's life. And it's unfortunate that, you know, you have, if you had to bottom line it, it's unfortunate that your friend's darkest days was an inconvenience to you. How sad is that? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Because if the roles were reversed, you would expect your friend to be there for you. And it just goes to show what kind of person you are. To me, I don't need people like that in my life, nor does she need that in hers. Now, they can get all pissy and they can and they can come up with every excuse under the sun. It does not matter because the damage is done. You can apologize until the cows come home. The damage is done. That's what I mean when I say it takes these episodes of loss, of heartbreak, of of all the bad things that happen in life. It takes things like that to really determine who and what you need to be involved with as you embark on this new normal. It's sad. It really is sad. And um, I just, the more I thought about it on Saturday night, the I mean, man, I, I was fired up. I'm pretty fired up now, but you, you take this and you multiply it by 10. That's about where I was on Saturday. But I also know that a lot of that was fueled by my own raw emotions that I was feeling. Here's the deal. I don't. In my life, the way that I go about things, if you're not going to do for me what I would do for you, are you really worth occupying a lot of my time on? Probably not. At least not in a not in my personal life. Your professional life, you're pretty restricted as to what what kind of say that that you have, all depending on what you do for a living. But your personal life, your friends, your inner circle, your family, you have final say on that. You determine who who gets to experience the, the beautifulness of your life. Once you determine what the toxicities are in your life and you eliminate those, you cut those out of your life, and then many times that means you put a period at the end of a friendship as unfortunate as it is and as hurtful as it can be. You will be better off in the long run when you surround yourself with those people who are going to help pick you up, who are going to help support you, who are going to allow you to lean on them on, on those days that you need to lean on somebody. Nobody asked 
for a new normal in in these terms. Nobody asks for their loved ones to be taken away from them. Nobody asks for their job to be eliminated and you have to relocate. That's just that's just the cards that are dealt to us. What we do with them will determine as to whether or not we win that hand or not. You have the final say. Because I promise you, when you start to cut out that toxicity, when you start to cut that negativity out of your life, you will have a better appreciation for those who remain. You will have a better appreciation for those who are there for you. You will have a better appreciation for life as a whole. It just sucks that it it takes instances like that. To bring shit out to the forefront. It's just the way that it is. That's life. Now we can spend a lot of time and, and try to dissect the who, what, where, and why. But at the end of the day, as many times as you dissect it, as you try to make sense out, out of it all, at the end of the day, life is going to continue on. because Because time does not stop. And if you choose to spend your time worrying and thinking about whether or not you can rely on this person or whether this person is genuine, you're wasting a lot of time that you could be investing that into those who do mean something to you. That have demonstrated that they are there for you wholeheartedly, regardless of what the situation is. That's just the way it is. And it's unfortunate and it sucks. But you will come out on the other end of this thing a little bit lighter. Because you're not carrying and you're not dragging that anchor behind you. Your half a step now becomes a step and a half. You can do it. It sucks. It's unfortunate, but you owe it to yourself to con- to continue to try to move forward in this new normal. Another thing that now uh, that's going to be a topic for another day. I'm <laughs> I could I could really go off the deep end here, but I'll save that for for another time. But at the end of the day. You owe it to yourself, you owe it to your kids, you owe it to your core family and friends to get rid of that negativity, to get rid of that poison, to get rid out, just cut the toxicity right out of it because you will be better in the long run if you do. We are going to take a quick break and we will be back right after this with more of the Klaus to the Heart podcast powered by Anchor.fm. As plans have been put into place to gradually reopen the state of Michigan amid the whole pandemic, one of the most sought after services are nail salons. 
And I'm sure, ladies, if you are one of those who are just clamoring for that opportunity to go get a manicure and get your nails done, you're finding that the uh, window of appointments are kind of few and far between between, you know, these big high-end and uh, big-name franchises. I would like to tell you about my friend Lisa Foster. She is a licensed manicurist, and she is now opening her own nail salons, so to speak. Nails by Lisa. Give her a call at 810-875-7213 or send her an email at paris1192 at comcast.net. Let me spell that out for you. P-A-R-R-I-S-1192 at Comcast.net. Call Lisa and see what kind of magic she can work for for you. That's Nails by Lisa. 810-875-7213. One of the cool things that I get to do here on the podcast is I have the ability to shed some spotlight on my friends who are offering unique and uh, and worthwhile services. And if you're looking for a splash of originality in in your in your everyday equipment for work, for school, whatever the case may be, I would like to invite you to, to check out my friends over at Red's Crazy Creations. They make all kinds of custom stuff, including various size tumblers, those badge reels that you can use for your work badges or your identification cards, and pop sockets for your for your cell phone. Those things are becoming more and more popular. If you would like to have one made, a custom one made, uh, check out Red's Crazy Creations on Facebook. Welcome back to the show. We certainly appreciate you, uh, you know, hanging on with us and listening to this week's episode. I apologize once again for it being later than usual. Uh, we're I'm going to make every attempt, I promise, to get back on on the regular schedule in terms of when the show drops because I, you know, I'm going to use this last segment on this week's episode to kind of talk about you know personal things or things that that affect me personally um one of the questions i got is why did you choose midnight on a tuesday to drop the you know to drop the new episodes well i did that because i'm a third shift guy and i have third shift friends and a few of them Look forward to the podcast and Tuesdays. Um, are, are, I mean, I know there's a lot of other shows, a lot of other podcasts that drop on Tuesdays that that people listen to. I'm not su- suggesting that Tuesday is a weekday or anything like that. But um, you know, for me personally, you know, the the shows that I listen to. Um, they don't really necessarily drop on Tuesdays. And, um, you know, in talking with some of my friends, I had asked them what, you know, when's a good time to drop new episodes. And, you know, they, you know, it would be cool if it was earlier in the morning, you know, the wee night hours, you know, while we're here 
at the plant on third shift. So that's why we went with the midnight gimmick. Um, and, it, you know, regardless of what time it drops, I mean, it's it's on it's on demand. It's on, you know, it's in the archives. You can go back. You, you, you can listen to it whatever day, whatever time best suits you. Earlier in the show, I, <laughs> I, you know, I got a little bit fired up and, um, you know, it, it stemmed from a very personal thing that happened over the weekend, which was in of itself a very personal time. And I, uh, you know, I just kind of want, wanted to go back and I guess for for nothing else was for my own being is to kind of document the thoughts and things that I had going into Jeff's celebration of life that we did. And, um, you know, anybody that had been on the tribute page for him on Facebook or you followed my videos or what have you, you, you know, I, I try to keep people up to date as to what was going on because things were changing seemingly week by week in terms of what we were allowed, what we weren't, where we could have it, where we couldn't, and, you know, just how was I going to go about this? Because putting together, in you know, working with uh, my sister-in-law, Melissa, working with my wife and talking with my dad, we knew just because of the the state of, of the circumstances that we're in as we're continuing to deal with the coronavirus pandemic, uh, we knew that we were not going to have the option of doing anything, you know, under the traditional umbrella in terms of a funeral or, you know, a, a fo formal memorial service. And, and to be quite honest with you, I wasn't looking to do anything normal with this because there was nothing normal about my brother and he deserved to have something unique to him. Um, so that's why we, you know, when we started putting things together and I actually started writing things out that I wanted to touch on, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to say, you know, one of the common questions that I got a couple of times was, well, who's who's going to be the preacher? Um, and, you know, who's going to lead the prayer and things of this nature? I, and, and, you know, in this day and age, where there's such an emphasis on everybody's voice being heard, you didn't, I really did not want to alienate anybody based on what we would have had planned in terms of this celebration of life. Well, I'm not coming because I don't believe in God and I don't want to hear a preacher talking and I don't want to pray and all this other stuff. There are people who like that and I get it. Um, but I didn't want that to become the focal point of this thing. The focal point should have been and was my brother Jeff. Um, I am no stranger to putting together public presentations. I am no stranger to putting on public events. This, however, was something so far out of my comfort zone that, you know, I, I made a concentrated effort 
from start to finish on how and what we wanted to do here. Um, because what I didn't want is I didn't want somebody quote unquote hosting this thing who didn't know who Jeff was. They were just up there generically. Uh, I, I know that's kind of, um, I don't know. I don't even know if that's a real word to be straight up with you, but, um, I, I didn't want anything, you know, too generic, you know. I didn't want somebody up there talking that had no idea what Jeff's middle name was or didn't know anything about him. Um, it was a very difficult process, especially when, when it came time to um, actually start writing things down different stories, different, uh, memories, things that, um, I wanted, I wanted to share with, with everybody. And, uh, I knew that my audience was going to be very diverse in terms of, of people who knew my brother in various aspects of his life, personally, professionally, um, his personal friends, which I have to tell you, um, there were, <clears throat> there were two guys that, that showed up that, um, I always thought the world of, and one of them I had an, an opportunity to spend a couple of minutes with beforehand. And another one I had seen was there while I was, doing the presentation, but I didn't get an opportunity to actually go over and and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but it was so good to see them, and it just hammered home. You know, I knew my brother meant a lot to them, and uh, in, in talking with one of them, man, it was very emotional. And, uh, you know, I seen these guys when they were kids, you know, and now here they are men and, you know, doing their own thing but i you know i remember them when 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 they were just kids and uh so it was good to see john miller and scott pritchard there and uh my you know my brother thought the absolute world of them and um it was good it was good to see them there and um so what i want what i kind of want to do is i kind of want to take some of the feedback that I had heard either directly or indirectly and just kind of, you know, ad address them and kind of document why we went the route that we did. Now, it would, you know, initially it was going to be at the Pix Theater. We knew we wanted July 25th because that was the day after his birthday. And, um, and I, we realized real, you know, that it was going to conflict with open houses and, in other gatherings and things of this nature. I mean, that's the summertime, you run into that. Um, but we really wanted it to have it on that weekend close to his actual birthday, which was the 24th. And um, <clears throat> so we, we knew, we you know, the Pix Theater seemed like a perfect venue. It had emotional ties to Jeff. For me, selfishly, it was a lot less set up and tear down because they already had the audio and video equipment. All I had to do was put together the slideshow and the video highlight reel, and you know everything else was taken care of. And um, 
you know, then the new restrictions came into play. You know, now we could only have, you know, 50 people six feet apart in the theater. That clearly was not going to work. As as much as it bothered me to have to move it, there was no other choice. Um, moving it to an outdoor pavilion was obviously very risky because you don't know what kind of weather you're going to encounter. You know, yes, it was a warm one, but I mean, there was a there was a decent breeze that that went through. We were under the pavilion, so we weren't being battered down by you know. 85 degrees sunshine and all this other stuff um you know but granted there was a little bit more there was actually a lot more set up and and tear down and you know we had to bring in the mwo's audio equipment and um and this allows me to take the time to just express my my sincerest appreciation and gratitude to james and jenny walter who, uh, man, they, <laughs> they, um, they're such wonderful people. And anytime that I have needed anything, they have been go-to people. Cause I know that they would have tackled it and they would have kicked its ass and, and, and made it work. And, um, you know, I recruited them to help me when I did the stage show in Frankenmuth back in January. And there was no hesitation whatsoever. They were all in. What can we do to help? This is what I need. Done. Um, it's good to have good people like that on, on your side. And um, my appreciation for them is immeasurable. Uh, Todd Gilbert is another one. Todd did a beautiful rendition of the dance during the, the celebration of life. And um, I had kind of jumped the gun on bringing Todd on board for this thing before talking to Melissa about it. But I knew it was, it was something that would mean something to Todd. And I knew it would be a good way to kind of break up the presentation because, you know, I'm a realist. Nobody wants to sit there and listen to me talk straight for three hours. I get it. You know, I don't like listening to myself for that long. But, um, you know, I had asked Todd if he would be, in, you know, interested in performing a song during this thing. And, you know, he's like, absolutely. You know, again, without hesitation. You know, then then I asked Melissa about it. I'm like, hey, what do you think about Todd coming in and <laughs> doing the song? And you know she was all on board too so and he he did as usual a great job and you know i could tell that it was very heavy on him it was heavy on his heart but i mean he killed it he really really did and uh, we are very appreciative of of him for for doing that and later on after everybody was filing out of the pavilion um he presented me he presented melissa he presented my dad um, and um, the kids this incredible um, drawing art art project that he did of Jeff and my God, man! It as soon as I seen it, it just I mean my heart dropped. You know what I'm saying? It just it really it just I was like whoa! <laughs> it was one one of those moments and. Uh, once, you know, once I f figure out 
where I'm going to hang that up. Cause I want that to be in a special place. I'll I'll take a picture of it and 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 post it. But he sucks. You know, Todd's another guy that is has always been a go-to guy. You know, um, I don't even know how how to make the segue into this, but. You know, the one thing that I had heard as far as a criticism, and it really wasn't even that much of a criticism, maybe more than an observation. And when I kind of went back and saw highlights of the live feed from Facebook, I, I could totally understand where this point of view came from. And that was that I had spent too much time of the program focusing on me and I didn't, that certainly was not my intent. I did not set out to make anything about me. What I did, though, a lot of my memories of Jeff is, I mean, he and I were inseparable at different stages of our lives. And, you know, I had firsthand accounts of these moments of these these snapshots of of our of our growing up of our becoming adults as we moved into parenthood um you know obviously wrestling is a huge thing that was another criticism that there was a you know too it was too much about the wrestling would crap man that's what we were fundamentally at our core we were wrestling fans wrestling was our life and um so yeah, that had that had to be a focal point because it was a focal point of our life. It was like I said, you know, during during the memorial, it was it was a lot of times the glue that held our bond together. It's just, you know, everybody's got their own thing in life. For us it was wrestling. It may not be conventional, it may not be normal. But it was our thing. And, um, you know, that's why there was a lot of references, a lot of references to it. Because that was just a huge part of who and what we are. So, I mean, I understand the criticism, and I'm certainly not mad about it. But under no circumstances do I want anybody to think that the whole thing is was revolved around me. Um... I had I had to make a conscious effort on the fly on how to pro- progress with the memorial service because anybody that was there at the very beginning as soon as I stepped up to the podium I um you know I knew we were getting ready to do the slideshow which was a damn good thing that I had that I had it formatted that way, um, because as soon as I stepped up to the podium, man, I could feel it coming. I could feel the breakdown coming, and I have never in my life fought my emotions so hard. I mean, it was a physical struggle, you know, and I knew that if I was going to proceed with this if I was going to move forward with the program I had to change my approach about this with the with the quickness um 
a lot of factors came into that play because I had to do something that was going to lighten the overall aura that was in that pavilion specifically for my dad. My dad, bless his heart, you want to talk about struggling? That dude was struggling just to stay in there for the duration of the program. And I knew he was having a hard time. I could feel it before I could see it. I could see it. I just, you know, with his head down and I knew he was listening. Um, but this whole thing has been earth shattering for him. So I knew I, I had to, at least for his sake, I had to call an audible during, I mean, during the, the duration of that slideshow, um, you know, and it was 20 minutes long or whatever, that gave me just enough time to kind of come up, you know, regroup and figure out who I was going to, or how I was going to proceed with this. And I even mentioned it when, when I came back up at the conclusion of the slideshow, we're going to go about this a, a different route. I went into performer mode because I knew if I went into performer mode, I could combat the emotions tied to what I was talking about a hell of a lot better than if I tried to go up there and, you know, just for the lack of better terms, as myself, as my, my day-to-day -day self. Um, so that's why I kind of, I had the demeanor that I had. That's why I was walking back and forth. That's why I was away from the podium because I, I went into performer mode thinking, and I know this is going to sound really assholish to, to some of you. I approached it as I was doing a Klaus to the heart, live stage show that was my mindset that was that was the performance that i was obligated to to do i was just tackling a very personal a very sensitive subject it was my brother and celebrating his life yeah some of the stories did not make jeff look like a million bucks all the time but you know what as with just about all of you our lives are not perfect, and Jeff was not perfect, but he embraced that. He embraced the dumb shit that he did when he was younger as part of the building blocks that allowed him to become the man that he was when everything happened. I felt that those stories were important. I felt that those stories were a good demonstration of how and who he was. Yes, he could be a butthole. Yes, he could be a challenge to deal with. But that's who he was. And we embraced it. Some some people just couldn't take it. They they just they didn't know how to take him. Because he wasn't the most, he wasn't the easiest individual to get along with all the time. That can be admitted by just about anybody that knew him on any level. But I thought that those were kind of funny stories. I thought that those were stories that kind of brought out who he was. 
I certainly do not have the sense of humor and I don't have the comedic timing that he does. Because he was more of a talk first, accept the consequences later kind of guy. Whereas I generally, not all the time, but generally will make a concentrated effort and think about what I'm going to say before I say it because I don't want to get in in a position to where I have my foot stuck in my mouth and I wind up looking like I'm, like an idiot. Um, even during the course of the final monologue that I did, that poem that I wrote, um, there was a line, there was a couple of lines at the, at the end of one page there that I knew just based on how my dad was dealing with all this, I had to make a subconscious effort to rewrite to the final two lines of the paragraph that dealt with Jeff as a kid because I didn't want it to come off as something that was not intended and that was like any I I didn't want my dad to feel like um I I was poking fun or highlighting a time of our lives that was not ideal so while I'm up on lines 7 and 8 trying to read those I realized that at the at the bottom of the page on lines 22 and 23 I'm rewriting those as I'm coming up to them. If that I know that makes no sense. You're thinking why how? How are you reading something but you're thinking about something else? I don't know. I don't know how I did it. But I did it. Because by the time I got to those two lines, it, it was not what was written on the paper. It was ad-libbed and off the cuff and trying to make it rhyme with, with the last two entries. And I remember thinking as I did that, as I flipped the page to go to the next paragraph, that next, that next stage in his life, that next role in his life, I remember taking a half a second and kind of mentally patting myself on the back like, God damn, boy, you did that right. So there was a, a wide range of emotions and thoughts and feelings that went in during the entire course of that program. Getting through that poem was was going to be the point that I thought I was going to have my breakdown. That one, because I don't feel like I've had that that great big cry yet. I don't feel like I've I've released all of that sadness, anger, all that emotion that's going. On. I that has not occurred for me yet. Um, I mean, it's not. That's not to say that I don't think about my brother every day. I do every single day. More often than not. Um, and going up to Saturday, you know, it became more and more apparent. This is what, I mean, we're here. We're, we have to do this. And, you know, even as I sit here and I'm talking in the, into this microphone, I'm looking at a, a picture. I believe our friend Ariana took it, if I'm not mistaken. It was of Jeff and 
um, our friend Jim Burgett, who um, I'll get to him in a second, uh, they were on the same softball team together, and uh, I believe it was Ariana that, that, that took a picture of them, of Jeff and Jim, standing side by side with their backs to her and you know they're wearing their jerseys with their name and their number and one of those well the jersey that Jeff has on in this picture was the one that was one that was on display uh, on on Saturday and um, there's no aspect there's no room in at least in the lower level of my house where I spend a great deal of my time that I don't have some sort of picture or a reminder of some sort of him. And I felt like I owed it to myself. I owed it to him to give him the best possible memorial, celebration of life that I that I possibly could. And what I can tell you and even whether whether you thought it was a good service cuz I mean the majority of the feedback has, you know, everybody enjoyed it. That it was fitting, and I and I appreciate that, um, and I'm glad to hear that because you know, but you know there are there are those you know, and it, and it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what the situation is. There's always going to be your critics, you know, the, those who aren't happy with something because they just refuse to just accept things the way they are sometimes i mean in in relation to things like this we didn't want to go through the thing you know we we kept it with me and melissa talking because those were two very very distinguished aspects of his life that we felt those were the two most important aspects of jeff's life um because I, there would have been no shortage of volunteers to have people come up and talk um, about my brother. Um, but we also were very conscious in the fact that we didn't want to make this a four and a half hour thing. Because everybody has a Jeff Klaus story. Everybody has a Jeff Klaus memory. Um, because he just he was such a polarizing figure, you know, good, bad, or, you know, good or bad. He was, he was larger than life as Melissa so adequately said during her amazing speech. Jim Burgett. Um, this guy is, he is an angel among us. And, if anybody was at, was as affected by Jeff's passing as Melissa, my dad, myself, Carrie, our family, it, it, it would be Jim. Because Jeff and Jim had a very strong bond. And uh, they were as close as brothers, man. Uh, Jim has said uh, on several occasions, you know, that Jeff and I were in some ways, you know, closer to him than his, his real family. Um, and that's not a knock on their real, on his real family at all. That's just, that's just the way life is for them. Jim has, had been there 
the day of, and, you know, he has a very unique and inside perspective out of all of this, where the rest of the MWO and IWE roster are experiencing this from the outside looking in, in some respects. Um, Jim, who is also a member of the MWO roster, you know, he got unprecedented access to everything on that final day. And uh, and I know, I have no doubt that it affected him just as deeply as it did me, you know, in a lot of respects. And that's, this guy has been there every step of the way to help Melissa out, to help my dad and Debbie out, to help me out. Um, I mean, without question, without fail, uh, he had, he's been there, you know, through it all. And, uh, there, I, there's, there's not enough words for me to describe how much that means. There is not enough words for me to describe how much he means to me. And, um, after we got done on Saturday, um, with, with the service and everything, uh, we had made plans to have a one day kids free, um, like just, just adult day. And we went up to Mayo and, uh, uh, caught up with, um, a couple of Carrie's friends, uh, Pam and Steve, who in their own right, just fantastic people. I just think the absolute world of them. Uh, we decided to go tubing down the Asabo River, and I had not done that on the on the Asabo River, and it was the release that I needed. It was my time to kind of exhale, and man, full disclosure, did I ever? Because <laughs> I. Uh, I uh, it was nice to have that time to where I didn't have to worry about what, what my kids were doing. I knew that they were safe and taken care of. I didn't have to worry about anything coming up on the horizon because anything on the horizon had already come to pass as far as events or anything like that. And I just, um, it was good to have that day to just kind of <sighs> exhale, you know. Knowing full well that the new normal was going to be there, uh, you know, when the, when the sun rose the next day, I didn't care because I, I seized that moment. I seized that time to just kind of let it go, for the lack of better terms. Those who were in attendance for the memorial and those who were watching the live stream on Facebook. Um, I said it then, I'll say it now, just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of you who have, who have supported us in one way or another. Um, we, saw, we saw people that we didn't think that we would see, uh, people that um, we hadn't seen in quite some time, and, and that was nice. It's unfortunate that it was under 
these circumstances, but at the same time, that's part of the healing process. And there was, if there was, if there was any silver lining, there's the word again. If there was any silver lining on having to wait the three plus months between the time Jeff passed away to when we did his memorial, it was it gave us time to digest everything that 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 was happening and yes there were raw emotions on saturday but they weren't nearly as sharp as they would have been had we been able to do any kind of memorial in april but thank you so much to all of you for everything um you it just means the world to us so with that um, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this show. This is probably going to be a little bit of a longer one. Um, but I certainly appreciate your support, your feedback. You can, you can send us messages to the Klaus to the Heart Facebook page, or, uh, you can send us an email at Klaus to the Heart at gmail.com. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. Be awesome to one another and we will talk to you next time right here on the Klaus to the Heart podcast powered by anchor.fm